Uh, New York City Church of Christ is a very big church. Uh, all throughout the metropolitan area, every Sunday we have ten different geographical church services going on. We're in all the uh, all the boroughs and all the suburbs. Of course, you are the Westchester region. Uh, my wife and I lead the Brooklyn region, and uh, it is my honor to be able to be here with you today to worship God and to uh, preach today on being thankful. And uh, it is appropriate that I would be in Westchester talking about being thankful, because I am so thankful every time I come here. I have so many amazing memories being here in Westchester as a young man, in my faith as a young Christian. I was baptized here in uh, the Westchester ministry many, many years ago. Yes, I was baptized uh, in Thornwood, uh, right near Pleasantville, and uh, there was a household of brothers that I was a part of as well. Uh, with Joe Cusato and uh, Roberto and John Thomas and uh, Conrad and every other single brother at the time, I think at some point, lived in that house. It was just a requirement, I think, at some point. You had to live... You guys remember that house, right? All right, amen. But uh, so many people here that uh, I have so many great memories here um, in Westchester. And it's so great to be with you. I remember um, at one point I was uh, living with Paul Yoder, and uh, Paul, uh, as a single man at the time, he and another brother were, uh, had a house in Port Chester. And, um, and I slept there uh, on the floor, I think I did, for a little while. And I worked in the city at the time. So I would go, I worked for an ad agency. I'd go into the city every morning and then come home. And then I would walk here to Manhattanville College because Dave Appel was a student here at in Manhattanville College. And uh, I would walk here because I didn't have a car. And we would spend the evenings sharing our faith, doing Bible studies right here. So even returning to this campus is just uh, just so many great memories. And of course, we love Jim and Teresa Brown so much because uh, they trained and taught and discipled my wife and I for many, many years. And uh, we're just so grateful for their influence on our lives and how they have loved us and taken care of us. And there's just so many other people. Like I, I'm constantly texting Dexter Walsh because the brother who leads the children's ministry in Brooklyn, his name is Dexter Wilson. And so I just, you know, I'm in a hurry and I'm shooting a text. I'm like, oh, sorry, Dexter. Wrong Dexter. You know, how many Dexters do you know? Uh, and they're both of their last names start with W. But, um, I mean, it's just, I just, it is so good to be here. I see Dave Martin and, uh, you know, and my, um, you know, my first CR uh, uh, group that I was a part of, Dave Martin led, scared me to death, that man. Uh, and uh, it was good, though. I needed to be scared to death so that I wouldn't go to death, you know, spiritual death. But uh, again, I just, I mean, just, it's so great to be able to be here with you guys. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully I can help you today as we continue your theme on being thankful in November. Today I'm going to talk specifically about being thankful for prayer. Thankful for prayer. And so the way I'm going to approach this this morning is this. Instead of telling you that you should be thankful, I'm going to walk you through some steps to help you learn how to be thankful for prayer. All right, that's what we're going to do, because what I've learned and what I've seen in my life is usually people who are thankful for prayer are people who have benefited from prayer. And so we're going to look at Psalm chapter 73 this morning, and we're going to look at a, a, a person who benefited from bringing their heart before the Lord. And it, after all, isn't that what prayer is? 
it's really just bringing your heart before the Lord. And so we're going to look at this and we're going to kind of of walk through step by step and see how this person benefited from prayer. And we're going to learn some things for us today, ways that we can put this into practice so that we can see the benefits of prayer with our ultimate goal of understanding and being thankful for prayer. I love the Psalms. I love reading the Psalms because of the vulnerability in the Psalms. You know, the Bible is not just a to-do list. Thank you. (laughs) Let me say that again. The Bible is not just a to-do list. Certainly there are things to do in the Bible, but the Bible is a book of poetry. It's a book of struggle. It's a book of heart. And I don't know about you, but when people share their journey, whether they stand up publicly and share like Robert shared earlier, or whether it's privately just between you and somebody else, or whether it's in a book like we're going to read in just a minute, when people share their struggle and their journey and where they got where they are, it inspires me. It encourages me, especially when they're vulnerable and they say, hey, these are the difficult things I went through and here's how God worked. It gives me hope and it helps me understand how God can work even in my life. So as we read Psalm 73, let's learn how to become thankful for prayer. Look in verse one, Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in ignorance. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. You know, the first step to becoming thankful in prayer is to have a troubled heart. You see, I appreciate the, the vulnerability here of the psalmist. I appreciate the honesty of the psalmist here. His heart is troubled. He's looking around at all of the ungodly people, the people who aren't following God, people who aren't claiming to be Christians or claiming to be believers in God, and seeing the prosperity that they enjoy. In fact, he says they are prosperous. They have no struggles. They are free from burdens common to man. And it troubles him. He's troubled. Even to the point there, you see in verse 13, he's questioning whether or not he made the right decision to follow God. He's like, surely in vain I've been keeping my heart pure because all these people over here who could care less about God are doing so well. 
And it creates in him a troubled heart. I don't know about you, but I can relate to this. I can relate. Last year, my family and I moved to Brooklyn. And we moved there to take over the ministry for our brother, our late brother, Onichi Aguaya. We were asked to move there. And I was really excited about moving to Brooklyn. And Brooklyn is really an amazing place. Maybe you've been to Brooklyn. Maybe you're from Brooklyn. It's really an amazing place. But it is a hard place to live, just like any other part of New York City. It's a hard place. Now, I'm not a rookie, right, going into this. I lived in New York City some 25 plus years ago, right? I never lived in Brooklyn, but I lived in New York City, so I know how it works, right? But back then, I was a single brother sleeping on a couch. You, you see a theme, right? You know, <laughs> you gotta go from couch to couch. Huh? But now I'm married. Now I have a family. Now I have dogs. I mean, you know, I just like I'm moving into Brooklyn, and it it, it was a hard move for us. You see, I moved from Nyack, which is right across the river here, to Brooklyn. In Nyack, I had a yard. I had a garage. I had a basement where I could put stuff. I had a garden in Nyack. I would grow stuff and then eat it. In fact, we rented this house in Nyack that sat on a hill, and I could see the Hudson River from my living room. Then I moved to Brooklyn. can't see the Hudson River. can't even see the East River. In fact, the apartment we moved into, I looked out the living room and all I saw was a brick wall of the tall building that was next door. It wasn't all brick. There were windows. In fact, one day I counted. I was supposed to be praying, but I, I counted. 94 windows looking back at me as I was looking out. We, we moved in this tiny, tiny little apartment. Small. Just a tiny little apartment. I was constantly bumping into everything. I had bruises on my legs just from stuff. My own stuff. Just bumping into chairs. But there was just no room. It was difficult. You know, I remember one of the first, uh, one of the first meetings I had with one of the Bible taught leaders when I moved to Brooklyn. A brother, a great brother, an amazing brother, he wanted to have lunch or breakfast. And so we sat down and just getting to know each other. And while we were having breakfast, he said to me, he said, hey, bro, I just want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for moving to Brooklyn. I said, amen, bro. Amen. Thank you. You know, you know, you're welcome. I get, you know, amen. Thank you. He goes, because you would think at your age, you'd be settled by now. You know, you don't a home, maybe, you don't, you know. And and he meant it totally as encouragement. He wasn't like trying to challenge me or confront me. He just made he's like, wow, you know, thank you, bro. But but that comment just like hit me in my soul, you know. And I thought clearly you've been talking to my wife because you know it, it's just it's hard when you get older and you're like, man, you know, I'm just what am I doing? Just moving around, going place to place to place to place, and it, and it's embarrassing almost. I'm like. So where do you live now? I run into people I haven't seen. Like, where are you living now, Phil? Yeah, I know. Because we move. And, you know, I, I would, 
you know, and so, so when I first moved to Brooklyn, we were living in this tiny little apartment. I would walk through other neighborhoods in Brooklyn, and, you know, it's, you know, it's getting dark out. People have their windows, and, you know, I'm looking into people's apartments, not in a creepy way, I understand, but just sort of, you know, it's hard not to look, right? And you go through certain neighborhoods, you're like, wow, look at that apartment. It's so big. How tall are those ceilings in there, right? How many chandeliers do they have in that apartment? And I would struggle. I would relate to this guy. I would struggle. I'd go, God, I'm a Christian. Come on, God. I moved to Brooklyn for you. You can at least give me an apartment like that. Come on. They're probably not even Christians in there. They're probably pagans drinking pig's blood or whatever. I don't even know what they're doing in there. You know, what are they doing? I'm the Christian and I would struggle and I would look and I would, I can relate to this guy. You know, God, help me. Come on. And my heart was troubled. I'd say, why God? Why not me? I'm your follower. Let me let you in on a little secret. Having a troubled heart is a normal part of following Jesus. Because it was a normal part of being Jesus. You know, there are many times when Jesus' heart was troubled. Of course, the most notable time is at the end of his life in Matthew chapter 26, verse 37. It says, it says there, verse 37, it says, He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful. And troubled. This is Jesus. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. You know, Jesus at times had a troubled heart. So it's only going to be normal. And it's only going to make sense that if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to have troubled hearts sometimes. There's going to be things around us that aren't going to make sense to us. And it's going to create a troubledness like the psalmist in our hearts. And sometimes when we look, we don't like to have a troubled heart because it requires looking into your heart a little bit. We don't like to be honest about our troubled hearts because it requires looking at yourself. And honestly, we don't always like to look at ourselves. You know, in my apartment in Brooklyn, I installed one of those, you know, those, those cameras. You know, you buy those cameras and you put it outside and you got like 24-7, you know, you get a little, little app on your phone and you can, you can see what's going on on the stoop at all times and it's always recording and if anything would ever happen, I can rewind and I can see people, at least I don't know what will happen, I can at least see people stealing my stuff. I can't really do anything about it, but at least I got recordings of it, you know. And so I, I got, you know, I got the little camera and one time I was going through some old footage and I looked and there's some, I saw like this old, like, you know, you know, slightly balding, overweight, middle-aged guy kind of walking up on my stoop. And I'm like, who is that guy on my stoop? And then I realized it was me. I'm like, oh. I'm just saying, sometimes we don't really like to take a look at ourselves. It was not one of the times I was like, oh, is that what I look like? Oh, that's not good. And that's what happens. That's why we avoid the troubled hearts. Because sometimes it means opening up our hearts, taking a look at what's really inside, being honest, having a troubled heart. Is your heart troubled today? Good. Because this 
is the beginning of a journey that helps us become thankful for prayer. John 16.33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. First step to having a thankful heart for prayer is having a troubled heart. Let's read on in Psalm 73, beginning in verse 15. The psalmist continues, he says, If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all of this, you know, these things he saw that troubled his heart. As I tried to understand this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. Having a thankful heart. A thankful heart for prayer begins first with a troubled heart. But it doesn't stay as a troubled heart. The next step is we then need to have a turning heart. Specifically a heart that is turning to God. That's what we see here. The psalmist is talking about how troubled his heart is. And in verse 16 and 17, he says, As I thought of these things, as I looked at the things in my life that troubled me, he says, it was oppressive to me. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like just the weight of the troubles of the world are on your heart and you just feel the oppression of it? He says it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. This is the solution. This is the secret. Having a troubled heart, but then taking that troubled heart and turning it to God. Bringing it before the Lord. Entering the sanctuary of God. Are you turning to God with your troubled heart? Are you taking the time to bring your troubled heart into the sanctuary of the Lord? And by sanctuary of the Lord, we're not talking about this building, although this absolutely looks like the sanctuary of the Lord. This is an amazing facility. But this is just a building. This is not what we're talking about. Certainly coming to church and praying is a part of it. But we're not talking about what you do on Sunday morning. We're talking about your lifestyle. We're talking about you taking some time to get alone with the Lord. Whether it's going out into nature, or whether it's going into your closet or sitting on your bed or kneeling before the Lord. However you do it, taking your heart before the Lord. That's turning to God. That's the next step of developing this thankful heart. You've got to take your troubled heart. You've got to be honest about where your heart is and then take it before the Lord. But I've got to warn you, just ahead of time, turning to God 
does not guarantee the removal of your troubles. Like, what? Why am I here then, bro? It's true. Turning to God with your troubles does not guarantee they will be removed. Turning to God just gives us some perspective. You know, a great example, the one I just mentioned, Jesus in the garden. Jesus prayed about his troubled heart about dying on the cross. Believe it or not, Jesus did not want to die on a cross. He knew it was going to hurt. And so he was praying for there to be another way. But ultimately, him bringing his troubled heart before the Lord did not remove the fact that he still needed to go die on a cross. And thank God he did. Because it's the only reason we're here right now. is because of what he did. So bringing your troubles before the Lord does not guarantee they'll be removed. And sometimes, and let me just throw this in there, sometimes you got to bring your troubles before the Lord multiple times. Right? You know, I know sometimes I pray, I put my heart before the Lord, and I'm like, God, I prayed. All right. Time to fix it. I prayed. I mean, even in this example of Jesus, he prayed not once, not twice. He prayed three times. Three times he had to go back before God with his troubled heart. So if Jesus has to wrestle three times, how many times do you think you and I got to wrestle with our troubled hearts? You may need to pray about the same thing over and over and over and over again. But you got to bring your troubled heart before the Lord. Turning to God does not guarantee the removal of your troubles, but it does change your perspective. I'm amazed at times in my life when I am really troubled by stuff, whatever it may be. And I go for a prayer walk. I'm always amazed that when I get back, how better the world seems. You know, the world isn't so bad. You know, maybe the troubles aren't as bad as I realize. Well, what happened? Did God remove all the bad things that are in my life? No. They're still there. What happened? I changed. My perspective changed. I'm a different person because of my turning to God. And so turning to God may not remove your troubles, but it helps you and me change. You've got to turn your troubled heart to God. If you don't, it'll mess you up. It'll mess you up. You know, verse 16, like he said here, the psalmist said, he was, it, the, the weight was oppressive to him. It, it weighed on him. And it messes you up. You know, I remember uh, when we moved to Brooklyn, we were looking, I was driving around Brooklyn looking for apartments. And I was driving through one particular neighborhood and I stopped at a light. You know, and it was a nice day and it was in the winter and there's snow on the ground. And I was just kind of watching people and, and I saw some, some people walking by and I'm sitting at the light and all of a sudden I just heard boom, boom, boom. And my car shook. And I was like, what was that? And I looked around, and two kids, like middle school-age kids, over there had thrown snowballs at my car, just randomly. And they thought, ah, I saw, I saw them laughing. So I did the most obvious thing that I thought. I rolled down the window, 
I threw the car in reverse, and I squealed my tires, and I went backwards towards them, and I yelled, I said, Hey! What are you doing? And they were like, and they just froze. They're like, ah, ah, and they just dropped behind a row of parked cars. And I was like, I see you! I see you behind those parked cars! And then in the moment of all of that, I was like, you know, somebody should be a Christian in this scenario, right? They should probably be. And then I thought, someone should just be an adult in this situation, right? I'm like, these are just kids. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And I rolled the window up. But that's what happens. That's what happens when we aren't bringing our troubles. We just become weird. It messes us up. We're yelling at kids, throwing snowballs on the street. You know, we just get messed up if we're not bringing our troubled heart before the Lord. The psalmist says his, it was oppressive to him until he came before the Lord. Psalm 19, uh, Proverbs 19.3 says, A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. When we don't bring our troubled hearts to the Lord, our hearts get mad at God. Don't blame God. Turn to God. Should we be open with people in our lives about our troubles? Absolutely. You know, am I open with the people in my lives about what's going on? Absolutely I am. But at the end of the day, they're just people. They're not the people that are going to save me and help my troubled heart. I gotta to turn to God. Are you taking the time, and it takes time, are you taking the time to bring your troubled heart to the sanctuary of the Lord? Or are you taking your troubled heart other places? Are you turning to your pleasures? Are you turning to your indulgences? Are you turning to chemicals? Are you turning to shortcuts? Hoping to somehow find some relief which in the end only gives you temporary relief and only compounds your problem and makes your heart more troubled. Take the time to turn to God instead of turning to something else. You know, turning to God, it requires openness. It requires vulnerability. It requires some humility. But the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety or all your troubles on him because he cares for you. What is the path to having a thankful heart? A heart that is thankful for prayer? Well, first it starts with a heart that is troubled. And then it becomes a heart that turns. And finally, the last thing we see here in Psalm 73 is then it becomes a heart that is transformed. A troubled heart that becomes a turning heart eventually becomes a transformed heart. Let's finish out the chapter here. Psalm 73, beginning in verse 21, it says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yelling at kids, throwing snowballs on the street. Yet, I am always with you, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into your glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. That's a changed heart from the beginning of the chapter. 
when he was envious of the wicked. And now he's saying, earth has nothing I want but you. Verse 26, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. A troubled heart that becomes a turning heart eventually becomes a transformed heart. You see a transformation of this person even right in this chapter. You know, this person went from being grieved, being senseless, being ignorant, embittered, and a brute beast. That's his own words, right? He went from that to being transformed in his attitude, to being strengthened in his heart. Someone whose desires were only fulfilled by God. That is a transformed heart. You know, it's amazing is this is not the first time I've preached this sermon to you. This is something that I've wrestled with on my own. And I've preached this before. But even as I was going back over my notes in preparation for today, I was amazed at just even the transformation in my own heart from when I originally wrote this sermon before. I was amazed. I'm like, wow, God, you've really helped me. You've really changed me. And you, I don't think I'm done. I think I'm still growing. I think i got a lot of work to do. But I'm like, God, you have changed me. And it made me thankful for prayer. For being able to come before the Lord. Let me remind you, though, as we talk about being transformed. Let me just remind you of something I know you already know. And that is this. It is our goal to change and be like God. Not the other way around. Right? I know you know that, but let me just remind you of that. Sometimes I think we forget. Right? Sometimes I think we think, alright, well let me figure out how I can fit God into my box. You know, God, here's what I'm going to do. What scriptures can I find to back that up? You know what I'm saying? That's a lot different than God, you are in charge. I am going to change whatever I need. I am going to transform to be like you. One of the things that my struggles taught me as I've gone through them is this. God cannot be tamed. God cannot be put in a box. You can't be like, alright, here's my God box. Because as soon as you put God in the box, I was like, nope, I'm over here actually. Wait, God, how did you get out of the box? You see, the goal is for you and me to become like God and not the other way around. We change, not God. If there's a conflict between your life and God's life, guess who's wrong? You. Secret. You. Me. I'm including me in, in when I say you. We change to become like God. You know, I recently read the book of Job and I was sharing with some, some people before. You know, you know a brother is struggling when he says he's read the book of Job, right? Because we all know the book of Job is there, but we kind of keep it in our back pocket, you know, as a last ditch effort. You know, but it was just getting, I was struggling so much, I was like, I just got to read Job. I got to read Job. And every time I read it, uh, I always learn something new. But, you know, this time I learned it, I, I read it, and I learned uh, something very humbling. And that is this. I learned that 
my struggles leave me with a sense of entitlement before God. And what I mean is this. I come before God and I say, God, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. God, I've been a Christian for decades now. God, I've moved where you've asked me to move. I've done what you wanted me to do. God, I've done all this. I'm struggling. You owe me something, Lord. You owe me some answers, God. At least some answers. But what's convicting is that's exactly Job's argument. Job's like, God, come on, Lord. Here am I. Why are you doing this? What are you doing, Lord? Why are you doing this to me? Come on, God. You owe me some answers. And here's the tough thing about the book of Job. is The book of Job ends and God gives no answers. He never says, oh, well, here's why you're struggling, Job. What he basically says is, I'm God, Job. You're not. Sit down. And I wrestle with that. I'm like, God, that's just wrong. How could you do that, God? And I realized that through my struggling, I developed this sense of God owes me a little bit. You owe me at least an explanation. Listen, God owes you nothing. He owes you zero. He does not owe you money. He does not owe you health. He does not owe you salvation. He does not owe you forgiveness. He does not owe you a good and easy life. And He certainly owes you no explanation. He is God. And we are not. He is the potter. We are the clay. We change to be like Him. That's hard, man. I know you're wrestling with that. I wrestle with it. I still wrestle with it. Thankfully, though, He is a gracious God. Thankfully, He is a kind God. And there are times when we pray about our troubles and He takes them away. And we go, God, thank You. And there are times we pray about our troubles and He doesn't take them away. That's when we got to go, God, thank You. Help me to, to become what You want me to become. Because our job is to change and be like Him and not the other way around. Are you a different person? You're like, then what? Just are you a different person? You should be. Then yesterday. Then the day before. Then last year. Then last week. Then last month. Are you different? Are you growing? I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how long you've been around. I don't care how short of a time you've been around. It doesn't matter. We all have to grow. We all have areas to grow in. We all have places where we have not made it yet and we've got to bring our troubled hearts before the Lord and let the Lord transform us. We all have those areas where we've got to be changed. Let's be different. Let's not be the same old people doing the same old things all the time. Let's let God change us. Let's grow. Let's be new. Let's be different. Let's be more like Him Every day. Let's be transformed. Let's take our troubled hearts before Him. And let's be transformed. You know, if you put God, put yourself around God, you will be changed. If you take your troubled heart and you regularly turn to the Lord, you will be transformed. You're, you're not big enough not to be. You're awesome, but you're not that awesome, right? You, you can't be around the Lord 
and be like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to remain unfaithful. I mean, even Moses, right, when he went up on the mountain, he came down and he was shiny. You know, he was just like so bright and shiny they had to cover him <laughs> because he was so bright, because he'd just been around the Lord, right? And so you and I are not any different. And if you, if you do it, if you put yourself around the Lord, if you open up the scriptures, you read the Bible and you try to listen to, the, to, to what it's saying to you and you pray to God and you bring your troubled heart, you will change. You will. God will transform you. Acts 4.13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note of one thing. These guys had been with Jesus. That's what happens. You change when you're with Jesus. That's why we take our troubled heart, we turn to the Lord, and we will be transformed. I want to close, leave you here with a message of hope. I hope this has been helpful. I hope that you, amen, thank you. I hope, I hope it is. I just, I'm sharing with you things that have helped me, things that I have learned. But I do want to leave you with this message of, message of hope, that God can help anybody. Nobody is too far gone. My wife came to me not long ago with an empty bottle of lo- lotion. And well, it, it wasn't lotion, it's moisturizer, because apparently that's a different thing than lotion, right? And she said, hey, I love this, this, this product, can you order me some more? And so like a good husband, I was like, no problem, I got online, I found the exact same thing, ordered it, uh, and, and, and it was on its way. And I did, at that point, what I felt was very obvious. I took that bottle of moisturizer and I threw it away. Yeah, not long after that, a few minutes later, actually, my wife came out and said, hey, where's that moisturizer? I said, I threw it away. And she said, why? Why threw it I said, because you said it was empty. And she said to me, and I wrote it down. She said, quote, empty doesn't mean it's done. Right? And maybe you can relate. Like, there's always a little bit of moisturizer left in there, right? It's just a little bit more. And I can still use this, even though it's empty. I can still use it until the new one comes. So the point I want to leave you with is that no one is too far gone. How are you feeling today? How are you doing? Are you hurting? Are you lost? Are you hopeless? Are you afraid? Are you in pain? Are you empty? Well, good news! Empty doesn't mean you're done! God still can use you! There is still hope for you! God can still work in your life! He can change you! He can take the troubles, if you will, but bring them to Him! He can transform you and help you. So let us embrace this path of change. Let us learn to be thankful for prayer. Let us take our troubled hearts. Let us turn to God. And let us be transformed. Thank you, God. You just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nycococ.net.